Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Let's uh, look forward to that one, shall we? I want to talk to you today about heavenly places. And uh, that's uh, Buck Owens and Roy Clark. Does anybody remember them? Yeah, I bought uh, a guitar like Roy Clark played, but I don't play it like him. And uh, I uh, sold it for $1,000. Isn't that great? Nice, but it's worth about 15000 now. <laughs> Should have kept it. Just like our home in California, when we got rid of it, $28,000 today. In fact, last week it sold for $1,200,000. Isn't that great? Don't you just love all the blessings of the Lord on somebody else? Isn't that wonderful? Buck Owens and Roy Clark from the TV program, He Hall, recorded a song back in 1969, and it went something like this. Can anybody tell me what it was? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Anybody remember that, that uh, ungospel song? Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, a few years later, Bill Gaither came along and wrote his rendition of it, and he said this. Uh, he said, yes, I've noticed all the bad news in the paper, and it seems like things get bleaker every day. Boy, doesn't that sound like uh, something you've uh, heard? Hello. Yeah. Well, Buck Owens went on and Roy Clark went on to say, I stand six foot eight when I'm completely unfurled. And to find a mate, I've looked all over this world. Then a store downtown advertised everything for us tall guys. And they had everything except tall girls. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for my bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And then Bill Gaither penned the words, the rest of his song. Yes, I've noticed all the bad news in the paper, and it seems like things get bleaker every day. And he went on to give the biblical rendition of how should a child of good of God view the things of earth that seemingly upside down and backwards said, but for this child of God, it makes no difference, for it's bound to get much better either way. Can you say amen to that? Hey, that's good. I just feel like something good is about to happen. Amen? (laughs) Monday's good. I just feel like something good is on its way. He's promised he'd open up all of heaven and brother, it could happen any day. When God's people humble themselves and call on Jesus and they look to heaven expecting as they pray, I just feel like something good is about to happen. (laughs) And brother, this could be that very day. Isn't that a far distance from gloom, despair, and agony on me? Well, I've learned in all that happens just to praise him, for I know he's working all things for my good. Every tear I shed is worth all the investment, for I know he'll see me through. He said he would. He's promised I nor ear can hardly fathom all the things he has in store for those who pray. I just feel like something good is about to happen, and brother, it could be this very day. His promised eye nor ear can hardly fathom all the things he has in store for those who pray. I've never been more thrilled about tomorrow. Sunshine's always bursting through. The skies of gray. I just feel like something good's about to happen. And brother could be just 
any day. Well, amen to that. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, we know, say that, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Are you kidding me? Well, that's what the Bible says. Let's read it again. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. And Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, the last few months we've been preaching about how to take biblical scriptures and apply them to your life. And uh, if you take biblical scriptures and you repeat them, recite them, live them, rather than the cares and the struggles of all the world, if you take the scriptures and uh, you apply them, so he said, well, I don't quite know how to apply scripture. Well, you know mine, you know my favorite, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. That's the one I say all the time after all the time, all the time. You know why? Because I have to say that. <laughs> Keep me on the right track. And so I do. But now here's one. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. So if you want to grow in the Lord, you want to grow in his grace and his knowledge, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and practice that scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. About the time you feel like getting down in the mully grubs, rejoice in the Lord. About the time you feel like things are going to hell in a handbasket, rejoice in the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And so in King's, uh, James Version, the word rejoice appears 194 times in the word. Rejoiced 45 times, rejoices once, rejoices appears 18 times for the grand total of rejoice is found 258 times in the Bible. So I think, now I like what it says uh, about, here is a transcript for moderation. The Bible says we ought to do things in moderation. Is that correct? How many of you know a lot of people think that means I should only drink two beers instead of eight? You know what I'm talking about? Do everything in moderation. And so, but that's uh, one side of it. But here's what that scripture really means. It says, let your moderation be known unto man. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto hand. Because the Lord is at hand, let the moderation be known unto man, and uh, and so he goes on and explains how a Christian's moderation should present itself. And in verse number six of uh, Philippians four, it kind of gives you a description of a Christian's road for moderation. And here is how you should. Moderate your life. Don't worry about anything. Let your moderation be known. What's my moderation? I don't worry about anything. Well, don't amen me. Don't shout me out here. Some of you, it might be easier to drink two beers instead of eight. Just a thought. But the real true understanding of your moderation is get your head right, get your heart right. Get, get, live according to the scriptures. Let your moderation be known unto men. Don't worry about anything. Well, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, which means extreme praying, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That's, making your moderation known. 
And the result is, the reward is, that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and will keep your minds through Jesus Christ. If you stop worrying, if you, if you don't moderate your life and you go ahead and worry all the time, well, you're not going to have the peace of Christ. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a mind that's all troubled and troubled waters. And then he goes on and he adds to not only do not worry about everything and do not only just uh, rejoice in all things, but he says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are uh, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, a claim that's the olden days, it's not like that anymore. No, this is the day the Lord hath made. This is the day the Lord hath made. Say it just like that with me, would you? This is the day. Spill my water. Let your moderation be known unto all men. When the world about you is worrying and struggling and wondering how it's all going to come about, not me. I'm not going to go that route. Psalms 68.3 says, but let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Let them exceedingly rejoice, Psalm 68.3. Exceedingly means extreme, extreme rejoice. And when you look at the synonym for exceedingly, that means be stinking glad. Hey, I'm stinking glad. Say it, I'm stinking glad. Another syn synonym for that. I'm thumping glad. <laughs> That's what the Webster says. I'm wildly glad. I'm incredibly glad. I'm fantastically, enormously, colossally. I am beastly glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what my moderation is all about. We should be all be on fire for God, pumped up, glad bags, they said, about life so to speak, rejoice, exceeding in all that life has to offer on a regularly blessed and highly favored day. That's what we live. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God of Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what my message is today about living in heavenly places. We need to be in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, Heavenly places which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places places. Can you imagine the rejoicing in heaven after the crucifixion? Can you imagine how uh, heaven groaned during the crucifixion? Can you imagine how it broke the father's heart during the crucifixion? Even to the point he had to turn his back upon his own son. Can you imagine how it broke the hearts of the angels if they have hearts? I don't know. And, and uh, But anyhow, uh, uh, in heavenly places when he raised Christ from the dead, how exciting is that? Set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. That's what heaven is all about. Ephesians chapter 2 and 6, instead of raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, let me say that again. Ephesians 2, 6. He hath raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, we're not up there at the right hand of the throne. We're not up there where the angels and the seraphims and the cherubims and the four and twenty elders are. We're right here on earth. So what's he talking about? 
we should be having heavenly places right here on earth, amen? Let your moderation be known unto God. Don't sit around worrying. Don't sit about all those things. Set your mind on things above. And Ephesians 2, 6, raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right here on earth. Ephesians 3, 10, to the intent that now unto principalities and powers, what is a principality? It's a rank. It's a higher rank in heavenly places, and powers, what's the powers that we need to understand that are on earth? That, yes, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and and, uh, spiritual rulers uh, of darkness in high places, yes, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater are the principalities of heaven than the principalities of hell. Greater are the throne of God than the throne of Satan on the earth which he sets in. Hallelujah. Therefore, I'll make my moderation known unto all men. I will worry about nothing. I'll make my request known before God. Hallelujah. And so, in other words, you today are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody asks you, where do you go to church? I go to church in heavenly places that he has first. Smart of you. And once again, Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are uh, lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and the God of peace will give you peace and, and make you happy. Maintain your heaven on earth perspective. The world wants to take that away from you. Are you smart enough to understand or are you so dumb that you're wrapped up in all the, as Brandon says, crap of this world and put you in the mully grubs just because you can't spit without getting your face wet? Masks. Maintain your heaven on earth perspective. Well, I've got some great memories of being in heavenly places in Christ, and I think on these things, and I give praise for them continually. Not only everyday spiritual life, I believe in having a positive attitude. I practice rejoicing in the Lord always. I keep my mind stayed upon Jesus, and the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I pray that you do the same thing because if you don't, you'll end up like the lady I just read on my, what do you call that finger ministry thing, thumbs ministry, Facebook. She wrote into her pastor and she said, I'm so depressed, I'm so depressed. I'm so down, I'm so upset, I'm so confused, I'm so messed up. And I thought to myself, why don't you call me? I'll set you straight, and I'll tell you straight up. Most of your depression doesn't come from the devil. It comes from yourself, not applying the word of God to your life. There's, for every temptation of man, God has made a way of escape. What is the way of escape? Applying the word of God daily in your life and walking in victory, not in defeat. 
because the principalities of heaven are greater than the principalities of hell and the powers and, and the truth of God is so far above Satan. Who is he? He's under my feet. Huh. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Let it be known. And so not only do we have blessings of living every day in the fullness of Jesus and happiness. If you had a wife like mine, you'd be happy all the time too. You'd go nuts just following around, just watching her. It's a blessing. But I have so many great memories. And I thought I would make a list of some of the heavenly places memories that are in addition to my everyday special heavenly place memories. I look back and I started playing a tiny toy instrument as a kid, showing off in the Mama Set It Up band at church, only a boy named David. And when we got to the five little stones he took, one little stone went in the sling and the sling went round and around, round and around, round and around and around. Hello. You remember that? I can't hardly do it now. I'm so happy my shoulder feels like this. <laughs> I'm in heavenly places. Heal the Lord. I remember the day at seven years old. I remember uh, in a church in a potbelly stove down in the middle of winter. Had a little potbelly stove down there in the corner of the church. And uh, <clears throat> I remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of seven. I remember that. Speaking with other tongues. I remember being laying on the floor just in that church by the hours. I remember my daddy picked me up. He took me home, put me in bed. The next day, I was still speaking in tongues. I remember at age 14, <clears throat> Hickory Grove. Say Hickory Grove. Hickory Grove is a camp meeting. At, uh, they've finally taken that campgrounds and turned it into a church in Ottumwa, Iowa. used to be a campgrounds, and out there, we had a place called Inspiration Point. But anyhow, I was at camp. And I was at the age 14, and uh, there I remember in the altars by the hours till from 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, I remember praying in a circle. I remember God calling me to the ministry. That was a heavenly place I remember. But heavenly, heavenly times. I remember uh, when God called me to be the pastor of this church. Those were heavenly, heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I remember going to Seoul, Korea and setting up Bible colleges in Seoul, Korea. And uh, it's kind of funny seeing my picture and all my uh, writings and everything in, a, in Korean in all of their catalogs. That's kind of fun to read that catalog once in a while. I can't read it, but I saw my picture there. Established churches in West Indies. These are all heavenly places. Receive my ordination with the assemblies of God side by side next to our next to the oldest son, Rodney. He and I together were praying in the altars at First Assembly of God Church in Des Moines, Iowa. I looked over and they were laying on the hands of my son, ordained him in the ministry of the gospel, laying hands on me. That was a, a heavenly places time for me. It was a highlight when I became the chaplain of the US. At Seltzer Springs Police Department, Fire Department, that was a highlight. And then the most exuberant heavenly places in Christ highlight 
was when Nancy and I were expecting our fifth son. Now look it. When you have four sons and a pregnant woman, you're almost guaranteed it's going to be five sons. Getting ready to have my fifth son, and here I, here I walked in the door, and only this time, she's quick about it. <laughs> I got there on time. She had that baby so quick, they couldn't even get her into the delivery room. She had it right there in the room. And sure enough, the greatest moment in my life is when the doctor turned to me and he said, it's a girl. It's a girl. <laughs> you might know her as Allison Whedon. Some guy come along and took her away. <laughs> Heavenly places. <clears throat> right here on earth. But the greatest of all heavenly places, the Bible explains it this way. 1 Thessalonians 4.15. The greatest of heavenly places, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Heaven. Heavenly places, one songwriter put it this way. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful, heaven is a glorious, heaven is a wonderful place. Paul says there's a first heaven and a second heaven and a third heaven. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I knew a man once I was caught, well, I was caught up into the third heaven. The first heaven, we live and breathe and have our being. We, now, you talk about heavenly places, the trees and the mountains. Oh, man, this is heavenly. We're in heavenly places. And, you know, as I was looking at the beauty of the grass and the trees and the fishing and the birds and the mountains and the hills. And when you see, you look at National Geographic, you see all these things around the world. Aren't they awesome? Aren't they beautiful? Don't you love the different cultures? Isn't that great? How some people eat with sticks and other people eat spoons. Other people just use their hands. Isn't it great to see all that stuff? We live together in heavenly places. It's just beautiful. There's nothing like the, the, the second heaven where we see the stars and the moon. And uh, it's so one of the greatest differences in the first heaven, the, the firmament and, uh, that we live in, the, one of the greatest differences is you get up there, they tell me, there's no gravity. Isn't that great? There's just no gravity. You can spin and float and do all that stuff. And Neil Armstrong said when he walked on the moon, he said, I noticed something really different about it up here in this second heaven, if he were to use that phrase. And he said, there is an absence of of the feelings of evil. Isn't that great? Well, going up into the third heaven, and some monitors and some uh, uh, commentators say there even goes up into the seventh heaven. But when you get into the third heaven, oh, that's where Jesus is. God is on the throne. Can you imagine the beauty of the throne room of God? Revelation 
John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, he wrote these words. He looked at all the bad news in the paper. But as a child of God, he wasn't worried about it. He wrote the book of Revelation. He said, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard it was like a trumpet talking with me. He said, John, come up here, and I'll show you the things that will be hereafter. And immediately, John said, I was in the spirit. And behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. What a beautiful sight. Can you imagine seeing God on the throne? Can you imagine the throne of God? And he said, he looked like a jasper and a sardine stone. I don't know what a sardine stone is. And there was a rainbow around the throne of God. Can you imagine a rainbow? All the colors around the throne of God. How gorgeous that must be. A rainbow around the throne of God. Huh. And it was a sight like emerald. And round about the throne there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold representing all the saints of, throughout the ages. And out of this throne, now here's this rainbow. And out of the throne, John said, there was lightnings. Don't you love a lightning storm? How many of you really would say, I'd love to sit and watch a lightning storm? I just love to sit. Man, I tell you what, I get up about every hour in the night. I just hate to go to bed. I, and I hate to get up, but I hate to go to bed. And uh, I, especially when there's a thunderstorm, I like to sit and watch it. I like to sit and listen to it. And, uh, and at the throne of God, proceeding out of the thrones of God with this beautiful, beautiful rainbow around it are lightnings and thunderings and voices and the seven lamps of fire burning, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne is a sea of glass like unto crystal, seated in heavenly places. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Ah, uh, you know, one of the things I want to see when I get to heaven is Jesus. Isn't that going to be something? Oh, man, what a, what a delight. And then the cherubims and the seraphims, I'd love to see that six-winged booger flying. You know, the Bible says this, the cherubim, he had six sets of wings. He had, he had one set of wings. You can imagine this angel looking back over, he got six sets of wings on him. That must be hard to carry. But you look back over, his, uh, over him, and he's got the first set of wings, He's got covering his face because of the holiness of God. God is so holy that he couldn't even, an angel of the Lord couldn't even stand in the presence of the God because of, he would cover his face. And with two wings, he would cover his feet. But I like the, the, the two wings in the middle where he would sit there like a hummingbird. Do you like hummingbirds? I like hummingbirds come in around my house. And can you imagine this a cherubim sitting there like a hummingbird just floating in the sky with those middle wings right there and all day long forever and ever his job is to say holy holy lord god almighty who was and is and is to come heavenly 
glory unto thee, our heavenly Father. <laughs> I like your rainbow. I like your lightnings. I like your thunders. I like the sea of glass. But more than all of that, I like being in heavenly places where the heavenly Father is. Oh, heavenly places. What a marvelous thing. And so Revelation 4, 8, and I got to get rolling, says, and the rest Day or not, they don't rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God omnipotent reigneth forever and ever. So also up there right now, every saint from the beginning of time, and we'll talk about that, surrounding the throne, worshiping people, uh, worshiping the Lord. I'm not going to go there, Revelation 4, 4. I saw uh, the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment, heading uh, heavenly places now, heavenly places then for us. I always imagine a lot of things going on in heaven. The new Jerusalem coming down. But what about heavenly places here on earth? He says in John 14, 1 through 3. I like the way he says, let your moderation be known. Don't worry about anything. You've got that one. Whatsoever things are good, lovely, pure, virtue, praise, think on these things. And I like the way he says it here about heavenly places and John chapter 14, he says it this way. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. How could you not believe in God when you see the firmament, the stars, all the beauty of the heavens and the earth, the constellation, the milky white way, the, the bright morning star, the big dipper, the little dipper. How could you not help but, but believe in God? He said, if you believe in God, don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah, well, because believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, heavenly places. If it were not true, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I come again uh, and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I call it hot dog, heaven's on the way, heavenly places. And the songwriter said it this way, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing, heart bells all ringing, won't it be wonderful there? And one other songwriter said it this way, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, wonderful day that will be. <laughs> and then another one put it this way, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, when the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there in heavenly places. Another one said, I'm going to walk all around the city where our loved ones have gone on before. I'm going to sit on the banks of the river where we'll meet to part no more. So you might say, where do I get my ticket to ride? Well, your ticket is purchased already, reserved in your name. In fact, when the rapture of the church takes place, we're just going to fly away. And some glad morning, <laughs> when his life is over, I'll fly away. Hello. But really, all we are is we're just like baggage in a suitcase of the Lord. We're just going to, he's going to just take us with us right up on into heaven. And so I'd like to close by reading a chapter out of the Bible. Put it up here for me in the message, message Bible. So. Heavenly places. Roll up your sleeves. 
Put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blaming His holiness. God said, I'm holy, and you need to be holy too. You call out to God for help, and He helps. He's a good, good Father. But don't forget, He's also a responsible Father, and He won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacrificed blood. You know, he died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. Would you just bow your heads with me and say, Lord, thank you that I live in heavenly places. Thank God that I can be as happy right here on planet Earth as I will be when I pinch myself when I get to the marriage supper of the Lamb and realize I made it to heaven. I can be just as happy right here in Excelsior Springs as I'm going to be when I get at the marriage supper of the Lamb and Jesus comes and hands me my crowns. And you know, Lord, I want to thank you for that because this is a wonderful life. This is a wonderful place to be. This is wonderful to live and breathe and have our, our being in you, Lord. It's wonderful to be able to make our, to live in a moderation. It's wonderful to not be a complainer. It's wonderful not to be worried all the time. It's wonderful, Lord, to be able to cast all our cares on you for you care for us. It's wonderful, Lord, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard against it. And, Lord, when the enemy comes in and dazzles us with a blinding light that it seemingly we can't see anything but grief and trouble and sorrow, that's just a time for us to make our moderation known. And we lift up our voice unto the Lord, and we lift up our hands and rejoice, and we're exceedingly glad because that's who we are in Christ. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are blessed in our coming in and our going out. When our enemies come in one way, they have to flee seven ways because of your blood is more powerful powerful than anything else, Lord. Yes, we look forward to heaven. Yes, we look forward to the rapture of the church. But yes, we look forward to breathing and living every single moment of our day in our life here that we can be a testimony and a light. And so, Lord, today when the enemy tries to discourage and put people into a box and put people down and looking at the surfeiting and the cares of this world, Lord, you're children and your people, we will cast our care upon you and we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our strength and all our mind. And we will lean not into our own understandings, but in all of our ways, we will acknowledge you and you, O Lord, shall direct our paths. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And Lord, if there be one here today that has never 
accepted you as their Lord and Savior, has never said the words, Lord, forgive me of my sins and, and forgive me and I want to follow after you, I pray that today will be their day to turn and follow after you for the rest of their life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.